my cone of shame is the threesomes. So yeah. if I came to you and said, oh, Dr. Tara, I cannot, I don't know what's wrong with me. I, I want to have a threesome, but I just can't seem to make it happen. How would you mm-hmm. help me do that? <laughs> yes, I love this. This was a casual partner, but I was still just like, hey, Layla, you just stumbled onto something important here and somebody's giving yes. you the opportunity for some real growth. So hang in there. Then mindful masturbation is uh, to induce the ability to have an orgasm. And there's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of that going on at my house this month. I feel like I'm a really good lover and Mm -hmm. I love to give and I love to satisfy my partner. And I love that. I love that equal exchange of chemistry and passion and orgasms. How would you describe an ideal relationship? Oh my gosh, this is hard. Okay, um, an right? Ideal? Yeah, 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 for sure. Oh, you're. I mean, I'm on the spot. I didn't know you were going to turn this one on me. You turned it on the post, which <laughs> is a, it. no. It's That's great. It. I love it. Let's see. I think I'm sweating a little bit too. <laughs> hey everyone, welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. I am Layla. Super excited about the guest I have on today. I just did a recording on her show. We had so much fun. I cannot wait to continue the fun, hot, fun, sexiness. Today, I have Dr. Tara, and she's a sex and relationship professor. And she's also the host of Love Bites podcast. Dr. Tara, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me on your show, Layla. I am so excited. I cannot wait. I have sufficiently stalked your all your social media. I watched your TEDx talk. I got super prepared and I'm just excited and I can't wait to dig in. So, but before we get going, please give my listeners just, you know, a little bit about your background with all of your credentials because you've got a lot going on with your coaching and your podcast. And I'd also love you to throw in a little bit there about what your sexuality was like surrounding, you know, growing up for you, how that all kind of played out. Yeah, I'd love to tell you a story. Do it. So I was born and raised in Bangkok, Thailand. So in Thailand, even though it's kind of known from American movies to be like this crazy party place, perhaps a lot of sex tourism, in our actual fabric of culture, sex is very taboo. We don't talk about sex and being sexual is, especially for women and girls, is seen as like dirty and not worthy, like not the girlfriend material. It's kind of like in American shows, I assume, when you're younger and you're growing up, right? There is this like nasty, wild girl who's just like sexually active and she's for what she wants. The slut, the slut, exactly. And then there's this innocent virgin who's like, oh my God, I don't know what's going on. I don't, I don't know what sex is. And like that's the good girl, right? right. So like when I was young, like in Thailand, that's like really just the normal life is if you are sexually active or if you talk about sex or joke about it, you're not a good girl. So I grew up with that, like a lot of a lot of confusion, I would say, a lot of uh, maybe shame attached to why am I feeling super sexual? So in my household, like no one talks about sex. So my parents never talked about sex. Our school uh, didn't have sex ed. So no sex ed. So guess what? Where did I learn all the sex stuff? Can you guess? Porn. Porn. I learned 
all, uh, everything that I knew up until like 25 years old was from porn. And it was so, it was toxic because uh, everything that I knew about female sexuality and empowerment and quote unquote performance was from porn. So, because I have nowhere else to go and no one to talk to. So, that's kind of a little bit of a background of like how I grew up as related to sex. And then, fast forward to I came to the United States uh, for graduate school. So, I first came to Los Angeles and man, Los Angeles as oh. compared to Thailand. Wow. Los Angeles is quite sexually liberal. Yes. Right? Like people can talk about sex. There's Hollywood. There's sex in movies and TV shows. So I came here and it was like, oh, okay. So like you can talk about sex. You can be sexually active. You can be sexually empowered. Okay, cool. So from then, like I enter my PhD program and really that like my sexual awakening journey kind of started then. So during my PhD program, I studied attachment theory. I studied affection exchange theory from really inspiring professors. And during the PhD program, I learned that, wow, there are research and studies and theories that talk about my life experiences being in multiple failed monogamous relationships and never really feeling sexual actually satisfied. Yeah. Like I didn't know there's a ton of research that talks about shit like that. So in the PhD program, my eyes were opened. Also, during this time, one of my friends from grad school took me to a sex shop. Okay. It took me to like the PhD program to buy my first sex toy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Which one did yeah. you pick? So uh she helped me pick a pack of different things in it. So it's like a, a gift, like a gift box. There was like <laughs> a vibrator, a dildo, a rabbit, a little like um handcuffs. So like it was a sex gift box. So right. she's like, here's your first like uh, thing. Like, here's your first sex toy set. Yeah. So yeah, we went to the car and she was like, yeah, open it. <laughs> and I opened it and she's like, okay, let me show you. So like this thing, you like turn on and like you put it here. Right. So all of that was like in my PhD program is embarrassing to say sometimes because it feels so late. Yeah. But uh, I kind of had that. And then my best friend and then we lived together showed me Sex in the City. And oh. I was introduced to like the American culture through, I mean, good or bad, right? Through Sex in the City. And I remember vividly uh, watching and feeling like, damn, uh, Samantha Jones is awesome. Yes. She is unapologetic, goes for what she wants, communicate upfront, a uh, successful career. Like, I know it's a fictional character, but I felt like I can be like that. Yeah. Too. I feel like I can develop to be like that. So I had like quite a huge mindset shift during that time. Without that shift, I wouldn't be able to embrace all the other crazy sex stuff that I've done yeah. too. So that shift had to come first. So I had that shift and then I realized, okay, I want to study relationships more, which then leads me to landing my dream job as a professor at Cal State Fullerton as a sexual and relational communication professor. Yeah. So as a professor, we do a lot of research in terms of publishing research as well as like researching to prep for our lectures. So in researching all of these things, sex stuff for my sexual communication class, I learned like there's so many people out there, uh, according to data, that have sexual issues and not just like an isolated sexual issue. It's sexual issue becomes like a part of your life issues. It's, it's like, <laughs> you're it's like, like a personality like, yeah. trait. It becomes a part of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So then I realized, okay, millions of people? Are you kidding me? Have sex issues that becomes life issues and cause them stress and depression and all this shit. Like, are you serious? So I just thought I want to help more, right? So like I'm already teaching in college and it's very fulfilling for me. But I want to help more people. So I started my coaching business, Love Bites, two years ago yeah, to help more people. And then also last year, I started my podcast, Love Bites, so that I can help more people by like just normalizing sex talks and talk about all these sex research and solutions for different sex issues. So yeah, here I am. Yes. And so is that what... Was there one thing specific that made you want to start a podcast? Or it was just because you just found this as, a, as another channel so that you can get your, your message out there? Yeah. I actually, the reason why I wanted to start this podcast was because I got censored so much on social media. So I was oh, actually originally, I started, yeah, right? A lot it's of my ridiculous. posts got uh, taken down. It's oh ridiculous. So much ridiculous. censorship. You it's, know, I'm already, I'm so grateful that I'm in America and yeah. like, it's free compared to most other countries in the world. Yes. It's, it's free, right? But at the same time, there are still some areas of life where there's so much censorship, sex education included. Like, I mean, your journey is education itself. But yeah, there's so much censorship and it sucks. So I started with just social media and trying to teach there. But I learned that I can't speak truth and I can't, if I can't even say vagina <laughs> or like anal or like fuck, then like, of course, then I can't be teaching authentically on social media. Therefore, I started my podcast because I learned that on a podcast, as long as you check the box that says explicit, you can say what the fuck ever you want. Right. You can speak truth. Yes, I know. Isn't that funny? And you're, I just want to emphasize that because it's come up, it has come up from time to time on this podcast, my feelings about the censorship and how ridiculous it is. And you're even, here you are, a doctor. You have yeah. the credentials to speak about this stuff from a doctor's point of view and you can't do it. <laughs> and no, I know, vagina, right? Like how much is a, vagina is a medical term. Exactly. Like how much schooling can one do to like be able not be censored? None, right. apparently. You we, you could put that same post up, I'm sure, that said, let's talk about your princess parts and that wouldn't be censored. We can, we right. can use improper terminology to talk about our female sex organs, but we can't actually show them or talk about or actually use the proper language that relates to those parts. It's ridiculous. Right. It's ridiculous. And for me, it drives me bonkers. But that's like a whole nother podcast episode we could do. <laughs> On censorship. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah, things that we have said that were censored. Yeah. yeah. So why do you feel it's essential for people to have, I mean, a relationship coach? We, you kind of talked about that earlier, about your, you saw the problem when you were getting your PhD. You saw the problem. But some people maybe haven't. So why do you feel it's essential for people to have a relationship coach? And what do you do to help those couples accomplish their goals? Yeah, I love that question because people always wonder if you have psychological issues just because you go see a therapist or coach. And I like using this analogy. A lot of people I know take vitamins, right? To optimize yeah. their health, right? They take vitamin C, multivitamin. So to me, seeing a therapist or a coach, it's just like taking a vitamin. It optimizes your life. It's not necessarily that you need to fix something. In fact, do it before you have to fix something would be better. Preventative yeah. measures, right? But that's not the norm in our society. I mean, the United States in general, like 
this is a very general term, it's already like quite open to seeing therapists and coach with an exception of like maybe a few places in, in the United States. But in some places in the world, like you don't even go. I mean, in Thailand, like none of my friends can go see a therapist or it's like, what's wrong with you? Right. right? And then like you're, you're like a faulty person. <laughs> uh, you can't just do it for preventative measures or just to feel good. So to me, why is it essential to have a relationship coach? It is essential when you want to live your best life. And it sounds like a cliche, but why do you think athletes, singers, entertainers, why do they have coaches, business people? Why do they have coaches? It's really to optimize your life. So to me, is it essential to live your best life? If your answer is yes, then get a coach. Because it optimizes your sexual relationship and your romantic relationship. Now, what do I do as a coach to help couples accomplish their different goals? Or or, or singles, do you see? I assume you see individuals as well. Yeah. Yes, individuals as well. Yeah. So I want to first distinguish a therapist and a coach because a therapist can dig deep and go through quite historical like trauma and really work with you through those issues. If you feel like you've had certain kinds of of, of trauma that you want to unpack, I highly recommend a therapist. Okay. But if you have a sexual goal that you want to achieve, that you're moving forward with this goal, you don't know how, you don't know how to talk to your partner about it, you don't know how to work together to get there, then get a coach, right? But specifically a sex coach. So to me, what I do is, let's say an individual comes to me and say, hey, here's the issue right now, or here's what I want to do, and here's my goal, here's where I see myself sexually and in a relationship. How do I get there? I have a fun idea. So I coach them. I have a yeah, what is it? I've already revealed to you that I have this, like I can't get past the, my cone of shame is the threesomes. So yeah. if I came to you and said, oh, Dr. Tara, I cannot, I don't know what's wrong with me. I, I want to have a threesome, but I just can't seem to make it happen. How would you mm-hmm. help me do that? <laughs> yes, I love this because I actually coached someone into doing this. Uh, and it's actually a couple. So a slightly different scenario. Yes. But with the, the couple, it was a couple trying to find a third, which was easier in a way. But for you, I would say, Layla, first, uh, let's talk about why, uh, what are your intentions? Like, why do you want to have a threesome? Uh, because I think it's hot and sexy and I want that experience. So it's a positive intention. Yeah. All right. So what are your requirements? What would make this threesome really hot experience? I want all the attention to be on me. I really want to... I just... The first time I do it, I know it might sound selfish and self-centered, but I'm okay with admitting that that's what I want. I really... I just want to be like the star of the show. I want... I just want... I really do want it. I want to reciprocate, but I want the primary focus to be about me making this first experience really exciting. Yes. And I love that sexual confidence and upfront communication. All of that is super healthy. So now let me ask, uh, your first time, because we're going to set this up, your first time, do you want two males or a male and a female? Oh, this is tough. I'm torn. Mm, I think I just slightly, the two males is going to win out because yes. that's pretty hot. I, who you know What woman doesn't want like two men just making her, you know, making her feel amazing. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. So in this case, right, finding two males is more difficult than finding a couple who wants a third. 
Yes. Right. So first acknowledging like that it will be a little bit of a process. But number two, like let's look into who are the two males that typically want to have a threesome, right? It's not necessarily that you can go on a dating app where there's two males on it that says, I want a third female, right? That rarely happens. Well, it never happens. You can if you're on the right app. <laughs> that's true. That's true. If you can go on the right app. And I don't know if you want to advertise anything you're not gonna, too, but uh, there you're, you're, are right, the right apps for that. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're not going to find that on like eHarmony, but there's, there's right. definitely... <laughs> Definitely not eHarmony. Not eHarmony. Not even Tinder. It's hard. You would have to scroll through a bunch. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I would say, yes, there are maybe king-specific apps that you can find the two males. However, like what about in general, right? Like who are the two males that would want to have a threesome? Typically, it's like a one male that perhaps has a friend who's like, yo, I'm down to do this. Right? Yes. <laughs> like I'm excited. It's on my bucket list too. So I would say uh, if, uh, if you're my client, I would help you set up a profile on a couple of different apps, some king-based apps, some like maybe threesome-based Based app and then some regular like a Tinder with a profile that's very upfront saying a woman looking to have yeah. <laughs> a wonderful enriching threesome with two males. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure that there will be quite a lot of candidates and we can sit down and like work through different candidates and see like what would tailor or curate the best first threesome experience for you. And that's what I do. And I yes. walk you through aftercare. Yeah, I walk you through the during what can come up, uh, what kind of communication things can come up, what kind of uh, psychological things can come up. And then aftercare, what do you do after, right? And then what do you want to communicate after? So yeah, that's how I uh, walk my clients through a threesome. Or I help them set up like a group sex scenario, like a quote-unquote sex party, but not necessarily a ton of people. And I have a friend like in Los Angeles that organizes these small sex parties for whatever your dreams and desires are <laughs> and help vet people actually to help vet people so that the vibe is really good. And that's it's on my on my podcast episode called Sex Parties with Mr. John Price. I think I saw that. Yeah, I saw that episode. I yeah. haven't listened to yeah. it yet, so but I did help. see that. Yeah. Okay. He organizes these like small sex party or gatherings. Yes. And have you attended yeah. any of those? Not his, but I've attended a bunch of other sex parties. Yes, I know. I've only come to know, know him last year. So not yet. It was COVID. So he didn't organize one. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Good news. Strictly Anonymous podcast is looking for people to call into the show. So if you lead an interesting, naughty secret life that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous or not anonymous, if you're out and proud, that's cool too. Send me an email, strictly anonymous podcast at gmail.com. That's strictly anonymous podcast at gmail.com. Or go to my website, strictly anonymous podcast.com and click on be on the show. Okay. Now, so, okay, do you believe uh, most? Uh, thank you. I mean, that's great. I love how you did that. What do you think the number one issue? couples come, like, what's the number one thing I guess you find when cu couples come to you and that are problems and how do you help them move past that? Oh, yeah. This like, is... You, you know, there's got to be just like every time you get a couple, eight times out of 10, the issue is ding, you know, the same one. <laughs> Mismatched sexual desires. Yeah. The number one issue for most long-term couples is mismatched sexual desires. Not only my professional experience, but there's a lot of data and research that shows that. Yes. It's the number one thing that people write into me and ask me about. And 
That's why I'm so glad to have you on today because I can give them my advice, but I really feel at a loss because again, you know, I don't have the research and data. I can only just tell them what I think the best way to handle it would be. But I have a feeling you have a way of helping people move through these problems and getting them to do the work and take the action steps that they need to. So that's what I want to pull out of you right now. (laughs) Yeah. Feel free to pull things out. Yes. Give it to us, Dr. Uh, Tara. (laughs) Yes. So my strategy, I want to do a disclaimer. My strategy is new age. So I brand myself, but also it's my philosophy that my strategies and methods are new age. What that means is it's non-traditional. Okay. And sometimes for some people, it feels like it's out there. So I'll have couples that come in that have these issues and, uh, you know, I'll kind of give them a plan of what I want them to do. And they don't come back because they don't feel like they can't, they have the capacity to do it. Right. It's very new age and out there. Uh, So that's kind of a disclaimer of like, but then there are quite a lot of couples that stayed and did that. And man, the shift that I see the next time after a few times of the exercises that I give them to do, they come back. I see it in their eyes. I see happiness. I see joy. I see just playfulness in their eyes that I didn't see before when they were having the issues. So I know for a fact it works. And there's research that shows that it works as well. So here's what I typically do. I first sit them down and then when they come together, it's a good sign because both of them had agreed to get help change. Right. Both of them have already passed the first, the biggest hurdle accepting you have a problem yeah most couples like i would i would even estimate like millions of people don't even accept they have a problem that is so true i tell see i get guys will say it's usually men you know my heart goes out to them they're saying how can i get my wife to be more interested in sex i'm like she doesn't think this is a problem you're not going to get her to want to solve something that she thinks is working great <laughs> this works exactly. great for her She doesn't want to have sex and she apparently doesn't have to. So, hey. (laughs) Exactly. And I love that you said, uh, give an example because that is such a common occurrence. So when an individual comes to my coaching session, it's typically men. Uh, saying those things, Mm -hmm. right? But when a couple comes, I know it's a good sign because they have skipped the hurdle. Like they have, they now admit they have a problem. So from then on, it's easier to fix when you know you have a problem. But let's backtrack and let's start with the even harder issue where one person knows it's a problem, the other person doesn't feel like there is any issues. When you're in that kind of situation, it takes two things. One is courage and two is upfront communication, right? I say courage because I know talking about sex isn't easy. I know this from my failed relationships in the past due to sex, Yeah, (laughs) right? I've experienced this. So I know for a fact that it's not easy to bring up like, hey, listen, I haven't been happy with our sex life for the last year. Like I know that that's fucking hard. I know it's not easy. However, it takes one person with right in a relationship and it has to be you, the person that's listening. It has to to be you. It has to be the one person who is more active in thinking about solving this issue. So you have to have the courage to bring up this issue and communicate up front. What that's, what does that mean? You need to be brainstorming. Uh, what are the issues? Why do you feel that way? And write it down before you even confront this issue to the other partner who is in this beautiful fake world of there's no problems. Yeah. Right? You have to write things down first because here's why. When you approach someone who doesn't think there's a problem with your problem, they start, fe- they feel like you're attacking them. 
they feel like you're attacking them. They get defensive and oh, oh, that listening ear is gone. It's gone. Now it's just a wall. You're speaking to a wall. There's no point. But if you brainstorm first and you write down what are the specific issues, really, what are the real issues? And then uh, how does it make you feel? How are you feeling? Tell them how you're feeling. If they love you, they care about how you feel, right? So don't just say like, you don't do this anymore. Say, hey, we haven't had sex for six months and I feel like I'm unwanted. I feel like I'm unattractive. I feel like... So tell them how you feel, right? Then when they care about you, they will care. Oh shit, I don't want you to feel that way. Right. That's an unintended byproduct of what they're doing and they probably didn't realize it was affecting you that way. Exactly. So yeah, if if that's the problem, then you have to be the courageous person. You write on your problems and why you feel like, what are you feeling? And then you share it. And then that's kind of the first, uh, the start of this awareness and then acceptance. So, okay, let's say you go to a coach and you say, hey, I have, you know, we have mismatched sexual desires. It seems like she doesn't really want to have sex with me. And then it seems like I want to have sex too much. And I feel like I'm a burden to her, blah, 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 whatever the problem is. It's always the same problem, but spoken about in different ways. Right. So let's say that's now that's the issue and you come to coaching, you want to change, right? So my strategy is try new things together because whatever the old things that have been happening, it doesn't work. So maybe old school, like maybe traditional way of coaching is like, let's look into, let's find the passion that you had for each other from the beginning. Man, some of these people have been together like 15 years and they yeah, haven't had they sex they don't remember. Years, so. <laughs> <laughs> so in my opinion, in my new age opinion, it's like, fuck that. Yeah. There's no point like trying to find that original like time. Uh, so let's move forward from now. Let's start with, okay, let's let me work on you individually. Okay, and person A, like, what is your desire in sex? Okay, person B, what is your desire in sex? Now, person A, person B, what is your ideal sex life? What should happen from yeah. to make you happy sexually? What is a happy sex life to you? Right, A and B. And then I mediate this compromise. I mediate the compromise and then I issue them things like sexual journaling, uh, which is literally, it takes three minutes. And people think it's like, I have no time to journal. You have three minutes, calm down. (laughs) Sexual journaling, sexual meditation. I issue them like couple sexual meditation to do together. I issue some like tantric sex stuff. But mainly like that meditation, there is lots of um, research studies in that conducted as like experiments that found sexual meditation can increase sexual desires and improve sexual arousal. Yeah. So it's there's data to prove it too, not just people's personal opinion. Yeah. Uh, so I issue those things and then they do it. Sometimes they opt to do it on camera, like they opt to do it with me or in person. Uh, some people just want to do it personally and then come back and report and then talk about, talk through with their challenges during these exercises. And then we work on that together. Yeah. Very cool. And do you kind of, I'm just curious what you're, you know, with people that actually do their homework and do, do what you've asked, what's the result? Yeah. I'm a quantitative person. So I would say the success rate is 95%. (laughs) That's amazing. See, I was going to ask you the, the, the success rate, but I wanted to qualify it with the people that do their work. Cause I realize you can't, you know, if they're not willing to do it, they're not going to do their homework. You know, they're not going to be getting the results. So yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I'd say like 95%. What they found is they found a new way to connect. Whatever that works for them. There is a couple that I work with that now what they do is they open their relationship up once one month every year. And that works for them. 
So to have, that's their like, that's like their, for lack of a better term, like their cheat month or something. Like they can, they can have other partners. They can, is that what you're saying? They, they get to, oh, it's, wow. it's the effective solution to their problem. Yes. Yeah, we 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 dig into like personality type, attachment style, this and that. Like, you know, I have a bunch of different measures that measure a person. So I kind of know them individually. And I said, listen, it seems like this could be something you can try. Now, I know it's new age and sounds a little crazy if you've never been introduced to this idea before. However, I think if you just keep an open mind and try and really strict to, stick to the rules too, the yeah. boundaries, uh, and try just for the month. And I want you to come back and tell me what were the challenges and what were the good parts. And so they did and they came back and they were like, it was really challenging, especially for the female at first. Because she was like, oh my God, like who did you have sex with? Yeah. Right? Like she was insecure. But then she went out and did her own thing too. So she's like, damn, I felt good. I felt wanted. Yes, I feel like wanted. self-esteem is through the roof. Yeah. And so yeah. now she dresses up more. She, yeah, she feels more confident. She feels more feels sexier. Whatever it is. Yeah. Amazing. Sexier. Yeah. So now, but they don't want to do it all the time. And their reasoning or personal to them was because they have children, even though they're older, like their children in high school. But they said like, they don't want it to be like to something to rock the boat like too much. So sure. they just want to have their one month of kind of like secrecy between the parents, between the two of them. Yeah. And then the 11 months, they, you know, for the lack of the better word, like they love each other more and they feel more attracted to one another. And that's not... I'm not saying that that works for everybody because I have to know all of these things first, like your attachment style, your personality type, but it works for them. Yeah. I love hearing that. That's amazing. You know, I've, I often say on this show that the it's really just almost the lack of creativity on a couple's part. They're limited by their lack of creativity that they could come forward with to problem solve. I mean, that's really their biggest issue. It's like, you can solve this. It may seem insurmountable, yeah. but it's really just the two of you coming together and finding a solution that works specifically for you. It doesn't have to be anybody else's textbook idea. It's just what works for you guys and do it. And I love that you have this unconventional approach because I just, I feel like a lot of the other stuff out there, it just, it doesn't work. And it doesn't. Um, and we can see that. And if you're going to go, if you're committed enough to go the distance with someone as your life partner, you should be having great sex. This should not be drudgery yeah. in the sex department. And I'm so glad you're, you are helping <laughs> change that. I love it. Oh my gosh. Preach it, sister. Oh God, I could, I'm going to get on my soapbox and I'll beat a dead horse. (laughs) Oh yeah. Like seriously, it hurts me when I see a long-term couple and when I say long-term, anything past five years uh, that said, sex isn't very important to us. What? I think you might be in denial. Oh, in denial, big time. No. Yeah. Like, I'm okay, I understand people who are asexual, but that's like 0.01% of the world. So you're not that. Yeah. <laughs> and to say I'm, like, no, we just, sex isn't really important for us. Like, yeah. that's bullshit. Oh, I love that so much. Thank you. That's incredible. So why do you believe most people focus on success in all other aspects of their lives, but with their relationships and their sex lives? Why do they just like consider those differently? It's almost like they take it for granted or they don't think it needs the same amount of work. Any idea where that stems from? Because it's rampant. Uh Uh-huh. It is definitely the cultural narrative. 
is the cultural narrative for us. Uh, there's specific culture like Italians or French where in their cultural narrative, like romance and passion is a part of it. Yeah. In America, not so much. <laughs> yeah. In the American, like successful life cultural narrative, sex isn't a part of it. A successful life is when you are financially successful, you're married in a heterosexual monogamous relationship, you have a couple of children, and you are in a house with a golden retriever yeah. and a white picket fence. None of that shit. There's sex. None of that. Uh, there's no sex in any of those narratives. No, or sex happiness. is never in or, a successful life narrative, right? So it's it's just a fabric of this culture, really. Yeah. And we were never taught it when we were young. We never had a comprehensive sex ed that talks about healthy relationships, right? It, they talked about uh, like pregnancy, STIs, which is yeah. I mean, it's all important, but they never talked about like what's a healthy relationship, right? Yeah. So that should be added to a comprehensive sex ed. So we never had that kind of sex ed. We uh, watch these movies that have really unrealistic expectations where a lot of passion just comes out when you're attracted to someone. So it comes at the beginning and then all of a sudden you live happily ever after together. They never talk about like how, oh, three years later, you realize like, wow, we're sexually incompatible. What the fuck? Right. right? So it's really never like in the media, in the conversations between people, in the values, in the religious affiliations, in the whatever it is. Sex is never <laughs> something people talk about. Therefore, it's removed from our cultural narrative. And that is why people so focus on other aspects of life, like getting wealthy, getting successful in their business, getting on top of the corporate chain uh, and then getting married as a success as well, right? Yeah. But then no passion in the marriage. That's okay. But as long as I get married because that's success. That's right. Exactly. Like, it doesn't matter if you're miserable. Mm-hmm. But we're married. <laughs> as long as you got married you're and you successful. procreated. As long as, you, yeah, as long as you're successful, you got yeah. married and you procreated. There you go. That's Look all. at the beautiful family, right? <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, that it's it's because it's just not in our cultural narrative and we have to change that through talking about it. Yes. Oh, you are speaking my language, girl. Okay. What is your definition of sexual confidence and what are some simple ways to increase it? Sexual confidence is the ability to communicate for your sexual needs and desires and the ability to show up in a sexual encounter authentically. Now, showing up authentically, communicating your needs, all of that, like you have to be someone who has high sexual confidence to do so, right? You were speaking about your experience, Layla, and that's why I said, wow, like amazing sexual confidence because you show up authentically then you communicate for what you want. And it sounds like it's trivial, like sounds simple, but actually a lot of people don't have it. Yeah, well, you know, it's a lot of people. It's, I wouldn't say that I had it in the beginning either, but it was something that I had to hone and try for. And there were moments, and I'm so glad, again, I documented it with this podcast, is that there was times where somebody was just like, hey, what, what do you want? I'm getting mixed signals here. What do you want? And I was like, Oh my gosh. And I remember that feeling. I remember like when that person was asking me, just explain yourself. And I felt like 
the walls were coming in on me. I wanted to just get out of there and avoid. And I had to, I had to take a step back and really consider what they were saying. And I just remember all that feeling like that, you know, it's like that fight or flight. Like I just wanted to flee the scene. And, but what I remember saying was, I think I said something like, I don't know, but maybe I'm not coming across the right way. And and I think I need to really think about what you just asked me, you know, because even though I didn't know what to say, I was honest at least about, I just stick to, when you stick to the honesty of the moment, whatever it is, it's going to help you. And so when I was able to just step back and go, okay, I didn't realize it was coming across like that to this person. And I can see why that would be frustrating. And so we need to have more dialogue. We need to be, you know, we just, Mm. there's some things pushing, pushing your boundaries is going to uncover these things. And so instead of being afraid of it, just know that that, you know, I was like, well, this is obviously going to be part of it going into it. So, and I'm committed to this. So I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to ditch this guy and just ghost him, you know, if <laughs> you're like, okay, I'm, sh-. and you know, this is a casual, I mean, this was a casual partner, but I was still just like, hey, Layla, you just stumbled onto something important here. And somebody's giving yes. you the opportunity for some real growth. So hang in there. But I can understand how I know I felt that, how that feels unnatural and uncomfortable. But now it feels like, now it's like second nature. Now it's like nothing, right? Anything you practice, you just get used to it over and over. And now it's very easy for me. But yes, yes, I had those moments where I was like, oh my God, panic, you know? (laughs) I love that you share that because that's the truth. The truth is, it's never going to be perfect and it's okay. And it's just, uh, it's a journey. So in terms of what are some simple ways people can do to increase it? There are like multiple simple ways that I'm going to share, right? They are simple, but they're not like overnight, you're going to be confident immediately. It's something that you do. It's a journey, right? They are simple things to do, but you have to do it consistently and for a while. The first thing you already talked about, a dialogue. So the first thing is talk about sex more. Talk about sex more. So like talking about sex is in your toolkit. Like it's in your repertoire, yeah. right? If you never talk about sex, you ne- and if you say private parts secretly or you have yeah. to whisper when you say vulva, you know, his penis. Yeah. Like, no, his penis was big. <laughs> right? So talking about sex more allows you to feel a little bit more comfortable when it comes to sex. That will build your sexual confidence. So you already talked about that dialogue, right? Just talk about it. Even though it's awkward in the beginning, Keep talking about it. Talk talk about it with your friends. Talk about it with your partner. Uh, just talk about sex. And then number two, good way to increase it is self-knowledge. Uh, when you know yourself well and you kind of know what turns you on, what feels really good, you're able to communicate it more confidently. So I would say like mindful masturbation and pleasure mapping your body. What does that mean? Uh, you can do this with a partner or do it alone, but basically touch, lick, kiss, uh, different erogenous zones in your body, right? So your ears, the back of your neck, the tummy, the breast, the pubic area, the inner thighs, the ass, like all of that and then kind of map in your head like where feels good. Then you know your body and the next time you can be like, oh, like lick my ear, right? Then mindful masturbation is uh, to induce 
the ability to have an orgasm. And that there's is a lot of that going on. There's a lot of that going on at my house this month. The first week was Ooh. amazing. I reported on that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I and I yeah. thought I I just have to say right now, I wanna let's put the brakes on. I thought I invented the word mindful masturbation. I thought I came up with it last year in March. I'm so like I mean, I wasn't the, the big innovator of that term. <laughs> Is it in some book somewhere, damn it? Uh, it's a part of the sexual mindfulness activities or, uh, or in other terms, like tantric. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, it just felt natural. And it, I came out of my mouth last year and because I was really trying to do that and I was not was trying to break away from my usual patterns of masturbating, just whipping out the Hitachi and, you know, getting to it, you know, just getting right on my clit at high speed and then getting up and being done. I mean, I really tried to like make love to myself, feel, touch, feel, and also kind of challenge myself a little bit. Like, okay, can you have an orgasm when you're not having that super, super hard pressure? Or can you have it, how can, can you have it this way? Or can you do it slower and build up and build it up this way by touching here? And, and how about just putting pressure around? And I'll tell you, it's very educational. I, that's why I highly recommend everybody do your March masturbation madness work. Do your mindful masturbation. You will find out more about your body. It's got a lot of Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline more pleasure zones than you realize. Oh, hell yeah. And that adds to your sexual confidence too. Yes. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because <laughs> you know you. And yep. that self-knowledge is very powerful. Yeah. i sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Anyway, so did I cut you off there? No, no, okay. that was okay. it. So yes. I would say, yeah, for sexual confidence, I would yeah. say try to talk about sex more in your life and then try mindful masturbation, try pleasure mapping, try sexual meditation, all mm -hmm. of that. It will build into your sexual confidence. Okay. Great. So I listened to your very first episode. And what drew me to that was, was the title, Shit I See on the Internet. And uh -huh. you were addressing crazy shit you've seen on the internet regarding sex and relationships. Can, and that was back then. But can you think of some of the craziest shit you've seen lately? So I would... Uh, God, there's so many crazy stuff on the yeah. internet. Isn't that right? And you can go down the rabbit hole and find some really crazy stuff. But uh, what I... The most recent one, let's talk about that. Yeah. The most recent one that I've witnessed is this... Uh, there's a guy on the internet that's preaching, that's saying that women that don't have sex with their husbands are actually witches. No. <laughs> Where is this guy like a YouTuber? <laughs> I don't want to send any traffic this way, but like, what? no, that's why, yeah, I do not want to send the traffic their way yeah. at all. They're on TikTok. Uh, oh, they're okay. on TikTok. And TikTok is just a wealth of good information and terrible information. Yeah. 
So yeah, this guy, he talks about like being an alpha man and very various terrible misguided definitions of really being an alpha man because that's not the truth at all. Right. Like an actual confident masculine person wouldn't do that. Right. Uh, but in his way of saying, he's like, oh yeah, you know, I'm telling you right now, men. And his solution to it was to put like Viagra in their drinks so that they develop to serve their husbands more. That's oh my fucked up shit. God, that is fucked up. Not to mention, <laughs> I'm sure that there's any drug you put in your body can interact. And not knowing mm-hmm. and putting and introducing something like that, it's yeah. like you're oh just roofie or just roofie the wife, you know. I mean, what's next? You yeah, know, just and he, like, he had some uh, like historical data too, which is fake, like either fake or just misused. Right. He's saying during the time where there was witch hunt, all of these women were really well have really low libido, and uh, they're they're witches. They're <laughs> oh no, oh no. Oh, where does this day guy, on is he like in, is he just living like in the deep South with some banjo people? I mean, like, what is this? Nothing against the he South. Has, uh, I love, I love men. Huh? He has five digits followers. Oh God. This mm-hmm. is like, scares me. this is like the Unabomber of sex advice. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible, terrible. Okay, that's hilarious. So uh, also in that episode, you were helping a listener address mismatched libidos with their partner. And I think actually, you know what? You already kind of tackled this problem. Mm -hmm. But so uh, I guess, how common do you think the mismatched libidos are eventually over time with couples that like, let's say are together five years or longer? Like how common is this? I mean, statistically speaking, and this is a conservative guess because I'm sure there's way more one in 10 couples. Okay. I would have thought it would be higher, actually. I personally, from what I've seen, is one in five. Yeah. But there's statistics are typically a little conservative because people don't report the truth. That's true. That's true. Yeah, you have to fess up to it. Only a few people are courageous and they do report in these surveys the truth, but most people don't. Yeah. You also got in that episode too, I I thought this was a good one. You also got a question about what you should or what should someone ask a potential partner about sex? And I just think this will help a lot of people have an idea early on in their relationship if they are even on the same page sexually. 100%. I would say I have a list of questions and I kind of want to list it out so that your listeners can maybe pause, write it down and ask their partners or maybe listen to your episode and just do do the answers together. Yeah. So here's a, a few really important sex questions that you can ask and you can do all of this in one session or just like throughout the year or so. Uh, number one is, what does relational success mean to you? This will get a lot at, it, does the person have a clear idea of what they want in a relationship? Is that idea leaning towards a little bit toxic or is it realistic? Or like what kind of, what does it mean for them like to have a successful relationship, right? This, is sex involved? in it because if they don't mean sex at all that could be a red flag that like they're out of touch sexually right so like how would you describe a happy relationship I would say that's important then what turns you on 
What turns you on? Yeah. Oh, actually, you know what? What would be fun if you can give me a brief answer to this? We're a couple, and you can yeah. give me a brief answer to this. How about that? What turns you on, Layla? I love it when you're when you take control. When you're assertive Mm. and I know that when I feel safe and protected, when you do those things, it really lets me know like that, you know, I'm with a man and that, that gets me going. That gets my, that gets my female hormones pumping. (laughs) Great answer. All right. So pretend I'm the person that you're dating. What's your view on sex in long-term relationships? I want it to stay exciting. And Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that the person I'm with wants to prioritize it as much as I do. And that we're always, that we always can have open dialogue about it. And it's not going to be something that anybody feels like we can't talk about at all the time at any time. I love that. And that's like such a good mindset that you're in. So I guess next is about you. How do you see yourself sexually? Oh my gosh. Well, I just think like, I feel, I feel sexy and sexual all the time. And it's, it can be very overt and very subtle. It could just be the way I feel about myself through really kind of like having good posture, just showing up, feeling good, taking care of myself physically, mentally. And I feel like I'm a really good lover. And Mm -hmm. I love to give and I love to satisfy my partner and I love that I love that equal exchange of chemistry and passion and orgasms. Love it. Love that answer. And honestly, like it's so inspiring that you were in a you didn't have sex for 3.5 years. I know. Like, from <laughs> that to this is a huge leap. It is. So that's amazing. Next is about your libido. So next is about your sexual desire, like how often. So what's what would you say is your like general level of sexual desire? 10. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I paw at my partner a lot, you know, like, but yeah. I really, I love my partner knowing how much I desire them and how much they turn Yes. And Oh, you're uh, preaching to the choir. I just, like, it makes me feel good because I feel like it's obvious, like, oh, you should tell her she's beautiful. You tell her she's... How about the converse of that is let your man know how much you desire and want him. And I think naturally it should be reciprocal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I feel like when that when one person does that, the other person does it too, it becomes a re- reciprocity thing. It's a mm-hmm. lot more natural. Yeah, yeah. Now, okay, why do you think people have sexless marriages? Why are they in sexless marriages? Why do I think they're in sex- sexless marriages? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that they stop being lovers to each other and just settle on some form of friendship and it's not broken, but it works. And so years pass and time goes by and there they are. But, and I've certainly done that myself, not in Mm -hmm. a long-term relationship, but I've done it to myself and I'm in a relationship with myself. But what I do know is that you can literally change your mind about that. And like I did, make big changes in 10 days or less. And it's just about changing your mind about what you want. That's the first step. Changing your mind, the hardest. All right. So my last question for you is, how would you describe an ideal relationship? Oh my gosh. This is hard. Okay. Um, Right? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. for sure. 
Oh, you're, I mean, I'm on the spot. I didn't know you were going to turn this one on me. You turned it on the most, which <laughs> is a, it. no, it's, it's great. It. I love it. Let's see. I think I'm sweating a little bit too. <laughs> how, how do, what, how do I describe my ideal relationship? It's with someone that I can be totally honest with and that they reciprocate that. And because from there, that for me, the way I'm wired, that builds trust. And once I open that door and I trust you, it's just, you have that from me. You have it. And if I trust you, I trust you to lead as a good partner. I trust you to, in the bedroom, that we can do, we, that it's safe to explore and we can do all kinds of fun things. And I also know that you're not going to do things, whether it's directly to me in front of me or outside when I'm away and not even around, don't know it, that you're always going to maintain a high level of respect for me. I love that. And honestly, I uh, often say respect is really the core of a healthy relationship, right? Because with respect, you respect that the other person has also sexual needs. You respect that they also have boundaries. You respect. So like respect is kind of like the foundation of everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. That is so good. Thank you, Dr. Tara. Well, thank you so much. It has been amazing to have you on. I want to do one quick little thing before we end, since it is yes. March Masturbation Madness Month. And I'm sure you're a big proponent of, of uh, masturbation. I already know that. But can you pick, I just like to give two like random masturbation facts. So if you pick uh, two numbers between one and 64. Eight. I'm sorry, one in 46. Jeez, I just had a, a dyslexic moment there. Eight. Okay, let's see what eight is. Eight says, some prehistoric times, masturbation has been depicted in art. Oh, I'm sorry. Since prehistoric times, masturbation has been depicted in art. That's number eight. Okay. Hell yeah. They're really hot too. There's some like old temples that have like sex stuff in it and like including masturbation. Yes, there are some old... They're, they're listed in this, uh, this fact sheet here. <laughs> oh, Cool. Okay, next is number 19. 19, okay. Before the discovery of bacteria, physicians believed that masturbation caused STDs, such as gonorrhea and syphilis. Once physicians found effective treatments for them, medical antagonism towards masturbation steadily decreased. (laughs) Ah, nice. Yeah, go away. (laughs) Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'll pick a number because this one's really funny, I think. Let's see here. Number 23. It says, multiple men have broken their penises while masturbating while driving. The car stopped suddenly, which caused a collision between the penis and the steering wheel or the dashboard. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, don't be careful, guys. Be careful. Don't masturbate while you're driving. Pull over. (laughs) Yeah. Pull over. Seriously. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> All right. This well, so much Dr. fun. Yes. Dr. Tara, thank you so much. Tell everybody where they can find you. Yes. You can find me on my website, lovebites.co, L-U-V-B-I-T-E-S dot C-O. All right. Thank you so much. And everybody, you know where you can find me. You can always go to thecuriousgirldiaries.com. And you know what my favorite thing to do is? Leave me a voicemail and I'll get back to you. Then we get to communicate one-on-one. If you have anything too you want to say to Dr. Tara, leave her a voicemail. I'll make sure she gets it. It's really easy. Just click on the pink tab on the right-hand side of any page of my website. You got five minutes to let it rip. 
and I will get back to you personally or Dr. Tara will get back to you personally. All right. Thanks everyone. Stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe. Love you guys. Bye.